Hey, welcome in to a very special edition. If you're getting this on your podcast feed and you're saying, hey, this isn't the deep dive. What the, the hell is going on? It's because it's draft season. And we're going to make some money this year like we did last year. It's a lot of fun. And I was approached by a very smart young individual, Luke, at Vegas Refund on the Twitter machine. You might know him. Green Avatar, likes to bet all year round, loves the draft. How are you doing today, Luke? What is going on? I am so excited for this. Like, I've been wanting to do a draft season podcast, and I'm just hyped. Yeah, and we, we've done things, you know, like uh, on my podcast, The Deep Dive, we've done draft pods. We've had you as a guest for some of those draft pods. You've been a great guest, but there really isn't a standalone thing. So, yeah, this is going to be a 12-part series of draft podcasts. We're going to try to do them on Thursdays. For the most part, obviously, the last one will probably be a little earlier in the week since the draft is on a Thursday and the, the news will be coming fast and furious at that point. But and we're going to break down a bunch of stuff starting kind of easing into it because there isn't a ton of markets up yet. But we'll talk some process. We'll talk about some of the markets that are up, some of the things we've learned over the years. And, uh, you know, there's some mocks out. There's some news out. We'll go over a little of this, a little of that. And, yeah, we will have some guests as well. Probably not right off the bat. Obviously, we don't have one today because we're just sliding into things. But as we go out throughout February, March, and into April, we'll have some some of our favorite guys that we like to talk about with draft process, draft betting, draft, honestly, information gathering. That's the key to this whole thing, isn't it now? And I think maybe that's the biggest thing we learned over the last – I mean, how many years do you think you've been betting on, on draft props at this point? Um, I want to say the Baker Mayfield year. So however far away that was, was like my first one that I was like betting into the market, but probably like betting into it, like sharply, I guess you could say has been three or four years, three years, I would say would be like the actual, like, okay, we're going into this and we're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've made bets years and years and years ago. But, I mean, years and years and years ago, the only option was who's going first overall. Right. Like, there just weren't markets. And I think that's the case with almost everything in sports. Like, you didn't used to be able to bet a ton of the props, even in regular season or standalone Monday night games. You didn't have the props that you have now. So, the with the menus increasing, I mean, it's just like the Super Bowl props that we're going to be looking at here over the next uh, week and a half ourselves is – with the, the menus increasing, there's just bigger chances for a book to be hanging a bad number on something. And, you know, the, the pricing from one book to the other being so much different that there's an opportunity to, to take a shot at something or even middle some of these markets at some points, which we were able to see people do. I think uh, your boy, as you are a Patriots fan, I mean, what did, and limits were low, to be fair, but what did Mac Jones's total open up at, like? Yeah, it was like uh, 18 and a half or something, I think, is is his over-under for his draft position. It got down to like three and a half. Yeah, and then when that trade happened and all that hype happened, it was two and a half, and the over was like plus 200. So like talking about a middle with some juicy payouts, like the Mac, went, yeah, and it's well, that's, it's yeah, and that's kind of we're, we're kind of at a weird spot in the in the process. It's February second as we record this right now. There's not a lot of markets up, and I think that's kind of what we've learned because over the years, and I'm going to let you talk about some specific ones too. We get too antsy for this, and we start making bets right off the bat, like we're talking about during the regular season. 
we're betting on guys to go number one overall before they're even done with their college year because there's a little bit of steam. I mean, we're making bets on, and this is, again, this is in years past. We make bets on guys to go first overall before we even know who has the rights to the first overall pick. I mean, how early, how early were people betting on, on some of this, like the Evan Neal stuff in the past and, Christ, and this is the most embarrassing thing I'll probably say on any of these podcasts is like, I placed a bet on someone to go first overall before the NFL season or the college season started one year. Um, he, and you know what? The, the guy, it was it was uh, Ellinger, who actually started some games this year for the Colts, but I bet him at like 200 to 1 before the season started. It was like, you know, maybe if he, if he has a really good year or something, he gets some steam as a quarterback. I don't think I'll be doing a lot of that anymore. And, and I mean guess the biggest thing is what have you what did you learn about that and what has that changed about how you start to approach when the entry points start to begin here so the last two years i've taken honestly like one specific lesson from each where two years ago the lesson i learned was i had too many bets on in terms of like over-unders in the first in the top 10 where i got to a point where i basically had to have predicted one through 10 perfectly in order for all of them to hit where if one lost, it was a ripple effect down the line where I learned to spread them out more, more overs, more unders, 50-50, not just condense myself to the sexy top 10 picks. And then last year, around this time, I had 100 too many Evan Neal tickets going number one. Um, he was all the hype in January, and I got involved with Evan Neal, and then February hits, and all of a sudden – Icky is getting hype and I have to take some Icky because I have Evan Neal and then free agency hits and the Jaguars sign Greg Robinson and all of a sudden they're not going to be taking a tackle most likely and you roll into Hutchinson. It, it, it was a ripple effect of uh, you were just canceling yourself out uh, where right now I don't have any number one tickets and I feel like I'm already ahead of the game. Uh, so in terms of like the lesson I learned last year, it was wait on free agency um, see what holes get filled, um, which is very relevant this year um, with the Bears being at number one, expecting to trade out uh, and, and multiple quarterbacks in terms of Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, um, most likely having a destination outside of the Raiders and Packers um, where they could go to a team that might need a quarterback. Who knows? I don't think they're going to go. They might. The Raiders might get one of the two. That's really the only quarterback needy team that I think could shake up the top 10 who could trade up. Uh, but yeah, wait for free agency, and then that's when you can really make your moves. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, it's hard to like make true, tried and true, iron fast. You know, this is a rule that we can't break because every year is going to be so different. But I mean, just looking at how you're going to have to approach it and what you've learned, like you mentioned that with the, the Jaguars, is the ultimate example. Like it was going to be Evan Neal until it was going to be Icky but it was always going to be an offensive tackle or just, you know, they were going to take a lineman and then they end up signing a lineman and they just right. blew. I mean, and then both of those tickets were just coasters at that point and you're done. <laughs> and I mean, even back into the season, there was talk of, uh, I mean, we had several defensive players between Hutch and Tibbs. And I mean, if you went back into November, December, those guys were the, the leaders for the market. Like once, once we got to Walker becoming, 
you know, your favorite into the market. It was like the sixth favorite that we'd had since, you know, the, the beginning of the NFL season. So betting into it too early, it, it's almost the opposite of, you know, most of the markets like, Hey, get in there early. If you know something, get in there and, and bet it. But the fact is you don't know something, you don't know who the first overall pick is even going to go to at that point. And if you're betting too early, you don't know what that team's done with their roster yet. Like you said, they can add free agents and, you know, with, with the weirdness around, not only the fact that the number one pick is more than likely going to be traded, especially if the Bears have something to say about it. If it isn't, the Bears have the most amount of free agency money in the, you know, in the NFL right now. And they can, you know, they, they can make a move that it's like, oh man, they're not taking Anderson now, or they're not, you know, just they're not taking Carter with that move because they can they can do so much in the free agency market too. And and it and it goes, like you said, for anybody willing to trade up or if if the Raiders end up getting one of the free agent quarterbacks, that takes a suitor out of that deal. So it's it's an information market. We just don't have the information right now. And right. I know and some people got some good numbers on some quarterbacks, but I, I haven't I haven't bet anything. And and that is the true beauty of betting into this market, where you can have a a perfect bet in an NFL game, for example, like the Chiefs in the playoffs, and you think it's an absolute lock. And Mahomes gets hurt in the first quarter, and all of a sudden that ticket is dust. Where you are betting on what you know in the draft, and you're betting on information. Um, there's a process to it, but it is a lot less volatile of a bet when you don't have to worry about injuries. You don't have to worry about players waking up on the wrong side of the bed. All you have to worry about really is if you are confident and you have the correct information, and that's part of the process, knowing what's correct, what's not, what's smoke. Goodell just has to take that car to the podium, read the name off, and that's it. Um, and that is why this is the best process because truly the process is simple. It is a grind. But if you don't overreact and you can read the tea leaves, a confidence level should be at, like, I go into these not expecting to lose in terms of the over-unders, where – Anything else, you always have – you have a good read, but things happen. Yeah. And I will say, like uh, – and I should pull – I should just pull up my sheet and look at everything I bet. A lot of the stuff I won on was, like, you know, one, once we had Walker News and I I bet the ever-living piss out of it, any, anywhere that would let me, I won a bunch on that. You know, once we once we had Sauce Gardner News – or Sting, Stingley and Sauce, honestly. Stingley, once yeah. we had Stingley News, I bet a lot of Stingley to go third. It's not technically over-under markets, but – Outside of some of that stuff near the top, a ton of the betting I did was over-unders. A lot of it was just tailing you on stuff. And I mean, that that is less of an exact science, but it does come down to the same stuff where if if you have a spot where it's just like, you can, like you say, not only just reading the tea leaves, but having the information from, all right, the guy who is yeah. pretty in tune with, let's just pick a team like the Jets. He He's... He's always been well connected with the Jets. He knows people in the front office. When he does mocks, his Jet stuff is always good. Like if he's making a case for this player constantly, and then there's also another spot where if the Jets don't take him and he drops, it's clearly a spot where he could land. And the over under sitting above that, it just this is it's time to get in on that because the over under, you know, the over unders do move. And you don't have you don't have like it's not like an efficient market where you have like 20, 21 games of um, like 
right now to make a spread on the Super Bowl. Like it's not going to be like they don't everyone wants to make the like everything's rigged. Vegas knows everything. Like in this, they don't. They like this is this draft is totally different from last year's draft. So they don't have anything to go off of. Um, you can make the case that uh, in comparison, like you can there's a DVOAs, like teams have weaknesses, but they still have to play like make those play calls to attack those weaknesses where it is there is a, a group think a part of this where the mock drafts like it is very much copy it's a, a copycat mock draft um industry i guess you could say um yeah. where there are going to be and that is part of the process where you have to figure out which mockers you trust which mockers are just um, making mocks that don't really have any connections you could say or but then there are mockers that you know that they are connected. They have sources. They know people. What they're doing and what they're putting on paper um, has value to it. And those are the ones you want to value. But they're, like the group think is part of the process too. And knowing what teams have these needs and most likely depending on where they're drafting, um, it's going to be best available. And it's very different than the NBA where the NBA is so much harder. Uh, but it really is. I had more <laughs> way fewer bets on the nba and, and and it is hard like you say the 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 books know you know the people who originate the lines the the first books to open on like conference champions any of the playoff games even late in the season they're pretty close those numbers are a lot better than they were earlier in the year this is much tougher and we did we had uh two years ago on the deep dive we had a, a sports book you know a risk guy from circa on and he was just kind of given the task. He said, go set 100 over-unders. They didn't do mm. that last year. <laughs> but he said, that, I, I remember, and it, it, I remember. His, his name was Dylan. We talked to him. It was, it's, it's, it's honestly a great one that's pretty evergreen if you want to go back and listen to that ever. But he mentioned that. He's like, you know, we'd only take a 1,000 on these. But some of them, you would just get hit three times in a row on it, like all on the same side in a hurry. And you had to, he's like, honestly, I'm pulling up like Twitter. I'm pulling up Google news and like trying to figure out if something happened if this guy is being talked about if he's linked to a team and he's like honestly he's like our quarter i think it was the quarterback pricing like the trask mond mills kind of area they opened them all up to be like fourth round picks and if you remember there was like a little bit of a run in the late second round early third round he's like he's like i moved all those like 20 picks already or something i mean he they had they had ones that needed massive adjustments and i didn't do terribly well last year in the second and third rounds um i'm gonna have to look at some of the process on that why but it feels like there's there is some there are some things to be picked and i know you you did well a lot of mine was just chasing willis I had basically some oh, like, if Willis if Willis would have gone in a couple of different places, like I mean, it would have been a big score. I had I had 30 to ones on certain things to happen with him, and I just kept chasing on him and it, it didn't work out. And luckily your over-unders were pretty clean in the second round. I ended up there, know, breaking even, but wasn't there like a Malik to the Giants rumor and everyone started betting Malik? Well, yeah, I had, I had like a 30, 33 to one on him to go yeah. at a certain pick and then like eight to one to go to the Giants. Like, And then the Giants were on the board like six times before Willis got picked every time. And it, it's killing me because I had to sit there and pay attention to a round of the draft that I wanted to not have to pay attention to. Like at that point, you know, I, I just wanted to move on with my life and start focusing in on other things. And, and that's an example of just like info that was wrong. And I can't remember where that info came from, 
but like there's going to be info that's wrong and there are going to be odds that are very juicy that like is it is like i would do that again like that i, th I remember that info for the malik thinking that okay this is actually pretty good uh, where he was like six to one or four to one or whatever it was and like i would do that all over again um at those odds but then there are going to be times where like they might be a minus 200 favorite and you have info on it and that is when like you want to trust it but at the same time if like that is good info that minus 200 might as well be like minus a million uh, because like minus 200 in a draft market isn't equal to minus 200 in uh everything else uh, where team performance comes into play and everything else where like a minus 200 might as well be if you have the right info and you trust it it could be minus a million and that is 100 percent fair playing that um no for sure and I did want to kind of take a step back too, because this is something I talked to with people about golf betting when they, you know, they, they bet a bunch of top twenties or like they bet a bunch of top fives. It's like, you know, every time you win one of those bets, like all the other bets become negatively correlated. It's like, you know, you, they can't all finish top five. If you have, you know, especially if you have like, and you don't have chopping rules or whatnot, right. essentially like you spoke about like betting too many over-unders in the top 10 and you essentially needed everything to key out. Right. Yeah. Same thing does happen with like top 20 betting in, in golf or any, anything like that top, you know, top finish podium and F1. But I do want to say, and I'm, I won't name names because this is several books do this. They offer fun props like that where they'll say these three guys all have to go in the first round. And it's, it's not, it's not so much a, a market. It's like a requested prop or something they just put up and you know, the limits aren't super big on those, but those are the same kind of things where you don't see the prices moving on those a lot. And a lot of people might avoid them because of the negative correlation. But if it's just like two of these are a lock to go in the first round, it's happening. And you're essentially betting on the third one. The moment you get, you know, I, I just, part of my process last year was, writing down a bunch of those honestly it was uh I, I had a spreadsheet where i created a chart for some of those and it was this player this player this player this player to go top top 32 and it became a spot where these three are going so essentially i'm getting this price on this guy to go top 32 and then you look in his over unders you know 35 and a half minus 120 and you just kind of you try to do the best math you can and realize like some of these props i'm just gonna have to i'm just gonna have to start hitting these as soon as we get any steam towards just you know getting bet to the under and the over under markets and i ended up hitting on a few of those and i think there is some something to be said with some of those uh you know silly markets they have here which we haven't seen yet and maybe that's a good segue into you know we we're going to talk about the calendar a bit because I haven't even looked at the legals that much. I'm mostly an offshore guy, if you guys know me. But uh, yeah. I, I do bet at the legals. And like even you know the three or four offshores that I'm going to use heavily for this, I mean, there's not much. I think there's like six total props up, man. In, but, I mean, it's February 2nd. And this time last year, it was just number one pick. But mm -hmm. right now, and I live in New Jersey, so in Jersey has probably the most draft softens out of any state. There are number one draft pick, first QB to be taken, first wide receiver to be taken. Bavada even has a couple over-unders where at this point, like this is the most, honestly, I've seen as of February 2nd, which is great news. 
Um, each book is a little bit different in how they release it. Usually, DraftKings and PointsBet have been the first two books to release over-unders. Um, and they usually have the most in terms of like players available. Where PointsBet, specifically last year, PointsBet had the biggest menu, which was phenomenal. Where you could even bet exact player to be drafted all the way up to, I want to say like pick 25. Uh, where those are the first two, and then usually it's going to be FanDuel shortly after them, which is going to be like first two are in March. FanDuel's a little bit after them where they don't offer as many, but they definitely take more, and they're not as sensitive to when bets come in. Where points bet, if they get any bets, they're just going to pull them right away. DraftKings might wait a little bit, but those will move. And then Caesars is pro- probably the last of the big bunch to come up with over-unders, but their menu is phenomenal. And their numbers aren't very close to other books where points but might copper DraftKings. Like they're definitely like mirroring each other in terms of the over-unders that they're offering, where Caesars is a standalone. They just come out with rogue numbers and they can be like Devontae Wyatt last year was the worst number ever set. And that was Caesars and like by a long margin. I think it opened at like 12 and a half and closed at 35. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, we mentioned the Mac number moving quite a bit. I think that's gonna keep books from opening over unders too early. And like you said, there's there's some stuff up here and there, but for the most part, and and in years past, so to your point, there's there's more than we've had in years past. It used to just be like who's the first overall pick, and it was forever, and you had to wait until like I mean it was March something-ish before you I, I got there, anything else. I think there is a case to and I totally get why they wait. Like this market, like there aren't a lot of, there isn't a lot of public money coming in on this. Like a lot, the majority of the bets that they get is going to be sharp action where it's going to be an out, but there's an argument to be made, like releasing them earlier. There are a lot more variables like free agency that can create two side action that right now it could be an over and a month from now it could be an under. Um, where the closer we get, it's going to be coming, becoming a lot more one-sided and only one-sided. Um, but yeah, and and that's where I think they do worry about it because again, it's not a it's not a a move that you can make in a market as you see. Like, I mean, let's just use the Super Bowl market up because you know it, it opens and a lot of sharp books open Chiefs as a a small favorite. Eagles money flies in. Well, what do you do? You move the number towards the Eagles if you're a risk manager, if you're a sportsbook manager. Because, you know, if you keep the number where it is, you're just going to continue to get Eagles money that you don't want. You wouldn't mind, uh, you know, enticing a little bit on the other side or at least getting your number hammered into where it should be, where you're you're probably trying to get a little two-way action. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl. It doesn't really matter. You're going to get a ton of action. You're just – once you find that stasis, it's going to be heavy on both sides. But it's not quite the same with these over-unders, and they know that because you're, you're sitting on a spot where – and you end up with goofy things where you end up indexing. And what I mean by indexing is just increasing the juice because right. it's it's not just like, all right, if we take X amount of money, we move this from 18.5 as your draft position to 17.5 because it's not so simple when you have, like, let's say the Vikings and Eagles during the Rieger-Jefferson uh, chunk there. Like – you had those two teams, and they were such high probability of drafting wide receivers. You had the over-unders for some of the wide receivers in that area. You can't just move it onto the other side of the Vikings and Eagles. 
Otherwise, you're going to get middled like a mother because one of those guys are going. You know, it's, it's not the same as, oh, we'll just move it down one spot. Well, you move it down one spot, that spot didn't matter. That's a team that's drafting defense. No right. matter and what, you, if, if it's a wide receiver over under, you move it from 17 and a half to 16 and a half. It's, it's almost a meaningless move because maybe the 16th or 17th team is just clearly never going to draft an offensive player. It's always was going to be an edge or a linebacker. So they end up doing a lot of stuff with indexing or they'll take big jumps where it's like it's going to move two, three spots. And I think people overreact to that. So, oh, my God, it moved from 16 and a half to 13 and a half. It's like, yeah, well, it, it jumped over three teams. And only one of them would ever even consider drafting this player at this point. So yeah. I think maybe taking taking some of those moves with a grain of salt is probably worth uh, mentioning too. And last year was the first year they started doing this where they were just – there were a lot of the numbers where it was more like the high-profile players that instead of just moving the line, they just moved the odds to like minus 250, minus 300 plus where it became like almost unbettable where the low limit – like. With the limits, it wasn't even worth it at that point, uh, where they were just pricing people out of even being able to bet it. But if they are going to move the line in, what was it? Drake London was the best example of it last oh, year, where I think it opened at 13 and a half and then went down to like eight and a half, where it really only became, you're betting on you're just one betting team. On the Falcons, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where like the under wasn't a play and, it was either an over or he's going to go a lot earlier than everyone was betting the under expecting. So they do get it. Like they don't know, but they are strategic in how they are moving them. Uh, and the heavy juice was the first time last year that I saw it that um, I thought was honestly smart. I would have done the same thing. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like at what point, if, if you were sitting on that and you've beat it all the way down to Drake London under eight and a half, like what, what amount of money would it take on that to like, like there's no amount of money because you move it to right. seven and a half. It doesn't matter how juicy you make that over. People are going to bet that right. a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people had just straight up info that that's what's happening. And I mean, they could have hung a seven and a half minus 300. I'd have bet the over. Like exactly. essentially, like... essentially, essentially you're just hitting a huge sweet middle on the, of the Falcons, I'd have to think about how strong that was. Like, I feel like I'd have been a pretty heavy number on there. So, yeah, it, it's a weird market. And I think the, the whole point I was trying to make there is just it's a weird market to evaluate. And the same thing goes back to an example I just keep hammering on is Mac Jones. And it wasn't just like Mac Jones was so hot in the market. Mac Jones was going to get, you know, everybody wanted this player. It was, no, the, the third pick suddenly became – a team that was interested in Mac Jones. So you had to slide it all the way down there to start to get it, get it right. Because it was, well, is he, is he going to be one of the first three, you know, spots or is he going to slide to 10, 15, where there's a couple other teams looking, you know, the, the fields and then the actual Mac Jones spots where he got drafted. So, I it, mean, it, it, it's, it's looking at where these quarterback heavy teams are. And that's what makes this year hard because there are, there's too many teams that need a quarterback. It's this is we just need the Bears to make a move. Uh, and once the Bears where I and I hate mock drafts that put trades in their mocks, which it's like yeah. just stop. Like there's no like you're predicting something that is so hard to predict where everyone in the past has said team A should make a trade and it is a lot harder to make a trade than um 
it is discussed, I want to say, in the media. In this, but this is like one of the few scenarios speaking to trades that I hate talking trades that like the Bears just need to take it like whatever it takes, they just have to. Um, but until it happens, really, there are so many different things that can happen that makes it so hard to bet and do, especially the number one pick market. Um, but a lot of things will be cleared up once we realize what they're doing. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think normally when I read a mock draft that has a trade in it, it's the, I mean, it's the equivalent of somebody writing a write up on what they think, you know, this, you know, like, uh, the, I think the Super Bowl is going to be Eagles 35 10 because I think <laughs> Mahomes and Pacheco get hurt in the first quarter. It's like, yeah. how, how can you write that down on paper? Like the people that put like multiple trades in the first round of their mock, it's like, this is lunacy. I will lunacy. say, out of any year though, this is the one where it's like the least unacceptable because of just the high probability of the Bears. I mean, they've already kind of talked about it. They said we're sticking with Fields. Uh, just all signs point to, hey, here's five other teams that need a quarterback, and they're all kind of jarring and jostling with each other. Like the fact that there is such a heavy market for it and a demand, and they're in a bit of a catbird seat, and it just feels like I- I'm I'm going to let people have a pass on it, but they need to make a damn good case for. It. Like, hey, okay. this is why the Colts traded to it. And truthfully, and I'll put I'm gonna put this down on paper right away in the first episode. I think the Bears don't get exactly what they want, but I I feel like it might just be a one-two flip. I, I think I think you might end up with just the ugly the ugliest, least fun one is just the one-two flip where you, you catch a couple extra picks where you move up a, f- a few spots with uh, the Texans moving for you so the Texans can just not have to worry about any of the other teams jumping ahead and getting whoever they like. I think obviously the second most common one for me in my brain is the Colts move um, because they, they worry where they're sitting, that their guy's going to get usurped by, you know, possibly two different teams. I mean, if the Texans don't move and somebody jumps up to one ahead of the Texans, suddenly you're sitting on sloppy thirds and you, you don't know what you're getting at that point. Yeah, and I think in like the teams that could trade out the need a quarterback, it's going to be the Texans, which everyone's going to laugh about the Texans trading up because if they didn't lose the last game, they wouldn't have had to do this. But yeah. which I think is it's definitely funny, but at the same time, people realize that Davis Mills in that game, like basically, he was playing in terms of the draft. The guy that's going to take his spot, of course, he wants to yeah. win, uh, but. It's going to be the Texans, the Colts, the Panthers, the Raiders. Raiders yeah, I think the, the Raiders are the one of the ones for me. I, it feels likely, depending on what they do with Rodgers and Carr, if they get either of them, uh, or excuse me, if they get Rodgers with Brady retiring, where McDaniels is like the one coach of the teams needing a quarterback that isn't a first-year coach. Where McDaniels, I think, in my opinion, is like on the schneid, like this is it, where – this isn't a successful year, he might be out. Uh, where drafting a QB could be something that buys him time, who knows? So he might be a little bit more desperate, or that team might be a little bit more desperate. And where I think it is reasonable for them to trade up. Uh, so that is the one that I'm keying on that I don't think I'm seeing a lot of noise about. No, I, I can definitely make a case for that too, being you know a high probability one with the coaching situation. It is such a nice way to buy yourself time as a GM and as a head coach. Like you get the instant excuse, you know, when they win four games next year, it's like, yeah, but we had a rookie quarterback and he took some steps forward. He's like, 
I think we're really building something here and you buy yourself one more year. There's so much of that that goes around. Raiders are strong and as as strong as the link between the the Packers and the Jets is right now for the Rodgers trade. And truthfully like it, it's funny that Green Bay, who is a division rival of the Bears, is probably doing the Bears a great service if they trade to the Jets. I don't think the Jets are a true uh, you know, candidate to make a trade for the first overall. Whereas if you trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, then the Raiders are out on him. Other teams that might have looked at getting in on him are out on him. And all of their, you know, their hopes have to shift towards drafting in the in the first round here. And that just makes the the Bears pick a little more valuable. So the Packers probably helping the Bears out if they do make that trade to the New York Jets. Which oh, yeah. is uh, kind of you know funny slash ironic, whatever you want to call it. But it, there's a lot of smoke coming from that fire at this point. That'll be interesting once that finally clicks. And yeah, it's it's it sucks to have to wait for this, but uh, we do need to kind of see where Carr and Rogers land to help us out on a few things once we try to evaluate what's going to happen to that first pick. And and I mean, it, do, at what point do you think you're comfortable starting to bet into the first pick market? Honestly, that, that 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 trade could happen on draft day. If it's then, I will lose my mind. Um, <laughs> but honestly, and people that are going to be committed to this podcast most likely will be have the benefit of getting some tea leaves information that we're going to be getting. And I'm not sure when I'll be comfortable, but we will have info. And last year is a great example of it with Trayvon, where well, I want to say like a month before when he was at like phenomenal odds, seven to one, eight to one, like we were getting Trayvon Walker news from someone we trust through a very reliable source. And we, and down to the fact that we knew, and this is the phenomenal story that I'll never forget that we were told that he got in a car accident after we had already bet him having a lot, bet a lot on him. And then, there was news that we were told he got in a car accident at like midnight, et cetera, and freaking out, like, was he drunk, et cetera. And it never really came out. Like there were a couple like random Twitter accounts tweeting about it, but it never came to fruition in terms of the car accident where I was terrified. It was going to be like a Jeremy Tunsil situation where he's on a gas mask and all the time, all of a sudden he's like falling, but it never came out. He went number one. And then immediately after Rappaport, goes on there and starts telling the story about him getting in a car accident. I was like, Oh my God, like that was accurate. And it, it was, it was a cool ass feeling knowing that that happened and it never got, got away with it. Well, I, I mean, l- luckily and luckily for everybody and nobody we didn't get away. I, I don't yeah. think there was anything. Yeah. It, was, it, wasn't, it, was a, it wasn't a legit a, car accident. Um, but I mean, yeah, we, we put a bunch of money on a guy and then we had a, a reliable source tell us, he had some sort of automobile incident and then we saw like what it said what time it happened and nothing I, good happened nothing good happens after that sort of time and we just we all assumed the worst and i had a terrible tummy ache and it sucked but uh, yeah that was nice to come out of that uh i mean smelling, I, all right i found trayvon trayvon's walker's agent's phone number and i even texted him from a google a google phone number like of course you <laughs> i have a yeah. screenshot of it just which like that is like the level that i'm prepared to go to didn't get a response but it, it's it's a ride and 
sometimes and I didn't hedge and I didn't hedge on Paulo last year, which is something that I will forever like be impressed with myself with not hedging. Um, but if you trust the info and you trust the process, like stick to your guns and it works out. Yeah. And that, that I think that is the key takeaway from all of this. It's, it's an informational thing. I said this to someone, I, I feel like maybe I said this, I talked to like Drew and Noops and so many other people like pre-show and post-show and just on like calls and stuff. Sometimes I forget if I'm like, if I did even said this on a podcast or if it's just something I said to somebody. But I mean, the matter is too, like, you know, a lot of people are starting to dig in on, you know, they're watching senior bowl and shrine bowl and, and that stuff is useful. But there's two parts of it. Like, if you're impressed with somebody, that doesn't matter because you're not on anyone's staff. You're not a exactly. coach. You're not a scout. You're not a GM. Like, it doesn't matter which of the four quarterbacks you like the best. It matters who the GM with those picks likes the best. So it's kind of a, you know, gathering information isn't always like figuring out who the best players are because oh, the, the Raiders are still involved. And granted, they have a different GM, but there's some there's some coaches, there's some teams, there's some scouting departments who have tendencies and their tendencies are to not make the best pick, not pick the best player, not pick the f- player that you think fits there. So it's not all about figuring out who the best players are. It's figuring out the the tendencies of some of their GMs. And that, that was a tough part with the Again, going back to the Drake London thing, we had <clears throat> Thomas Dimitrov for a long time, and then we end up with uh, you know different every year. You end up with new GMs and new spots, and that's a big part of what I did last year with you know Quessy and some of the other guys that were newer. It's like taking some notes on you know uh, are they uh, are they trade happy? Are they do you, do you think they just took best available to spot? Are they loading up on a spot? Are they pulling the Belichick where they're just constantly trading back and you know, ending up with a bunch of lottery, not lottery, like dart throws. I think that's the Patriots thing. It's just like, we're not good at drafting and scouting. Never will be. We're just going to take a shitload of dart throws and sometimes it hits. And I, I, I do think, honestly, that's not a bad strategy later in the draft. So, and there are, and like, there's a quote, I forget who it's from, but like recently there was a quote about Chris Ballard, the Colts GM saying that he won't take a quarterback mm-hmm. shorter than I think it's like six, three, which those are the types of tidbits. The guy from NFL network said it, but like, those are the types of tidbits that are like valuable on GM tendencies. Cause your personal opinion means nothing. Like literally if you have a personal opinion and you're betting off of your opinion into this market, you are like, just save yourself. Uh, but like, those are the types of tidbits because you're trying to figure out co- the, GM tendencies or the decision makers that are valuable because Stroud is below that threshold and the Colts are in yeah. not Stroud, um, Bryce. Bryce. He is below that threshold and Middle. the Colts are in in play for Bryce. So like those are things you have to value. Uh, yeah. Where your personal opinion means nothing. Do not bet off of your personal opinion. Bet off of your personal opinion on who you think's opinion matters. Where like the one rankings matter. There are certain rankings that matter only matter like Jeremiah um, consensus rankings. Like Jeremiah's is probably like the number one now that Mayock's at, like, Mayock is the goat, but Jeremiah is the new one. Um, but 
like your personal opinion should only come to fruition on whose opinion matters on what's going to happen. If that makes any yeah. sense, I'm confusing myself. Oh, I, I but... get what you're saying. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we went a lot. We a lot of stories and process heavy because it's the first one we kind of wanted to set up. But I think, and granted, we don't know what this is going to be in a few weeks. Uh, and obviously, we'll have some guests, which will be fun too, because we'll be getting their opinions on mocks, their opinions on news and stuff. But I feel like as we go forward, we'll be leaning more into. What have we learned in the last week? What is in the rumor mill? What's in the information mill? What have we bet? What have we talked about? What has happened in free agency that's affecting, you know, how does this signing affect uh, multiple teams, honestly? So I kind of want to turn over to some of that stuff right now. And like I said, I think going forward, this will be a bigger chunk of uh, a bigger chunk of the podcast. Um, kind of the, I should have a name for this segment, just kind of the topics, the rumor mill, the info. This is the meat. Yeah. This is this is the stuff that we're churning through to try to figure out what's going to happen. And so right now, the Senior Bowl is going on, and I want to say Charlie Campbell is probably the current favorite to be the MVP of draft season, where he's putting out some phenomenal content right now with what's going on in the Senior Bowl and what he's hearing. And out of the mockers that I trust, Charlie Campbell's probably, I think it was Friedman, that made this comment like if yeah. i was to have a draft on mockers charlie campbell would be one of one number one pick and he is one of the few and he's on walter campbell's website and walter's phenomenal too and that website's in itself is worth a discussion um i think it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might catch fleas going on it but campbell is definitely connected he definitely has quote-unquote sources for someone that i have no idea how he has them but he does and Everything is he's tw he's tweeting out recaps right now on the Senior Bowl, and it is highly valuable thing. Like one of the best ones was he was speaking to how he's hearing that the Commanders aren't going to be renewing De'Aaron Payne, um, who's their D tackle. They're not going to franchise tag him, so he's going to hit the free agency market, and that is actually probably going to be one of the more high profile guys at their age to hit the market a, a long time. And the Bears have all of this money; like they literally have to spend money. And the Bears pick up Payne, which it seems like that would be a likely destination for him. That really clarifies on who they're going to be taking between Anderson or Carter. Like if they get Payne, they'll most likely go to Anderson, almost as if it's like I would at this point feel confident. Um, Payne still has to go there. But that's that's the type of tidbit that I haven't seen anywhere um, where I definitely trust Campbell. Um, there's nothing to bet right now off of that. But those are the things that we just have to gather um, and have a frame of mind mindset going forward. With yeah, it. I think his tw his Twitter is at Draft Campbell, but yeah, and Walter Football that website is like <laughs> 1998 level pop up ads that is just coming at you. But it's, the, it's still it's still good info. And the other guys are getting hype. Like Zay Flowers has definitely been one of the big names that's been getting a lot of first round comments. I think it was like Eric Glacko um, firmly put him in the first round discussion, which. I agree with, uh, which, of course, everyone wants to go and bet first wide receiver drafted odds based off of that, which yeah. I don't think Zay Flowers, maybe like he's worth a, a very small dart just purely based off this so you can say you have it and maybe his odds come down, uh, which there is only one bet that I've made 
I don't know if we want to get into this right now or we want to continue. I mean, just throw, throw it out because I, yeah, I, I didn't think we'd have much at this point. I, I have nothing <laughs> but anthem bets, man. Uh, <laughs> Hyatt is the one bet I made. So Hyatt at 16 to one first wide receiver drafted on, I think he's 14 to one right now in FanDuel, which that's still fine. Um, it is definitely a wide receiver class that is a lot weaker now than I thought it would be before the yeah, season. Sure. Um, and Hyatt is totally one of those guys. And this is a personal opinion, but it's based off of a lot where he is a guy that has the big play tape, big play ability. And if he goes in the combine, just puts up stupid numbers. Like I can totally see a team like the Raiders have in the past reaching on this sexy wide receiver that has all the measurables with big play tape um, for the first wide receiver. Cause he's got, this is like everyone Jackson has no momentum. Quentin. I, I just don't see, like Quentin's a favorite right now. I don't see it. Uh, Steve Smith senior. I want to say an underdog yesterday had a really good clip about uh, what he doesn't see in him. And then there's going to be Addison who I would say Addison is probably to me the most likely to go number one right now at like two to one. Uh, the Steelers are like definitely the trendy spot for him to go, which I think the Steelers pick 16, which if the first wide receiver goes at 16, that's why like Hyatt is worth the odds because I can, that it gives you a lot of room for someone to go before there. Yeah. And I kind of want to push back on myself a little too and saying like, Remember when I joked about what you what you think about a player doesn't matter because you're not in the draft room. You don't get to make that decision. You know, that's not to say you can't have opinions like like Luke you just had there about Hyatt. Like knowing, hey, this is this is kind of the archetype player that we've seen go to the combine exactly. and run a four four one and you know impress people in other stupid shit like the cone drill. And have a have a pro day where, I mean, he's just catching everything from everyone, and you know you can use you know some of the things we've learned over the years to determine this is the type of player that can get crazy hype in a wide receiver market, where you know some of these other guys are just like it's a this is a very reliable wide receiver who's going to be very good, might even have the much better career, but uh, you know when you have teams that are wide receiver needy. Like this is the guy that's going to flash and he's a longer number right now. That's, you know, for sure. It's still opinion, but it's an archetype. It's it's a, yeah, it's a little more of an actionable opinion on a, on a guy that has, I mean, he, he has a, he has a path to find momentum in the market, in the hype, you know, with the the scouts and whatnot. Exactly. Where, where like the opposite of that is if you're like looking at these wide receivers tapes and you're saying that he runs the greatest routes I've ever seen. Like these are just NFL ready routes. He's going to be the first wide receiver taken because he runs such crisp routes. Like that is not the way to do it. Uh, That is like, that is not an archetype. That is a a personal opinion on a microcosm or not a a micro aspect of a player that isn't going to be something that I would bet off of where an archetype off of measurables path could not agree more with what you just said. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, is there any other bigger? We talked about some of the Campbell stuff. I think definitely worth a follow. Uh, you have you made a bunch of notes. Do you want to go over some of this before we kind of close thing out with some mock draft talk? Um, I mean, the, in terms of other rumors that are worth mentioning, 
Uh, there was there's actually the Seahawks and Rob Statton. He is probably my dark horse for MVP as well. He's phenomenal uh, for the Seahawks specifically, and he is a diamond in the rough with what he brings to the table for draft content moving forward. That is kind of an unknown outside of like Seahawks Nation, I guess you could say. But um, he had a couple points recently about the Seahawks probably going defense. Uh, where Pete Carroll was very specific on improving the defensive front, like went into it at length in a recent press conference. And um, some other things he said were in regards to it, – it's just – I don't even know. Should I just read it word for word? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine just re- reading the, read the <laughs> quote. I mean, even uh, had another, that big of an impact on you. Right, and then – this is another quote that he brought up and Jim Nagy, who's quote unquote an expert in the draft, I guess a former scout uh, quote unquote, made me consider a couple things after a conversation. The key one was his point about the Manning passing Academy, which he attended last year. He says all the big names were there barring CJ Stroud and the two players who stood out physically in a way beyond everyone else was Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, um, which are the two other quarterbacks that are in, I guess you could say, the top five hype. Uh, Levis got number one pick hype, which thankfully I didn't bet, but that hype was based off of Stroud not declaring. Uh, But he's also based off of that saying Anthony Richardson, who's over-under on Bovada was set at 16 and a half, which I believe you might have bet lightly, um, is worth noting. (laughs) And then the Um, other was... Yeah, and just real quick on the quarterbacks, and this is this is personal opinion at this point, but it's been backed up by a couple people I read. <clears throat> the quarterback situation right now is uh, supply and demand. I made this joke. I was pretty proud of it, so I had to repeat it to somebody. I said it was going to be the quarterback uh, is the quarterback market is going to be more Adam Smith than Adam Schefter because it's all supply and demand. Mm-hmm. There's two. I mean, name the teams again. We did it how many teams need a quarterback where you essentially have two free agents worth a damn. One of them might not be worth a damn. And you have all these teams that are looking for a quarterback and you only have four guys. And I think a lot of other years we'd be looking at Levis and Richardson and saying, these are projects. These are late round guys. These might fall into the second round, but there's just too many teams that need a quarterback that the supply and the demand problem is going to push them up to be top 15 picks despite what a lot of scouts have said about both guys in Pickens is like exhibit a of that where Pickens would probably not go in the first round in a lot of drafts in the past. And he was the first QB taken. Uh, he didn't go in the range that we normally see, but the demand exceeds anything. And Pickens went, where'd he go? He went like 20 or something to the Steelers. It was 20, 23rd. I, th- I can't remember exactly yeah. where their spot was in the 22 draft. But then there's going to be always quarterbacks. Usually they come from Stanford that everyone wants to say, don't be surprised if this guy makes his way into the first round and he always gets hype. And those are the guys. There's, those are also – that's also the smoke that you have to look through that the demand for the quarterback can create a lot of smoke on guys going earlier than you might think that guys like Pickens would go in the second round in any of the draft. Yeah. It is fun just knowing who the Steelers are going to take every year too. <laughs> like I write a, I write a mock draft. I don't do I, I maybe I'll do that this year. I'll do mocks earlier in the season. 
Um, I usually don't do one until the week of the draft, and it's usually good because uh, yeah, I'm going to this year for sure. I've always wanted to. I just haven't had the gumption, but with this project, I think I definitely will. But uh, it's fun. Like every year, it's just like, well, uh, Najee Harris, here's a free square. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting one. I'm getting one right for sure at this exactly. point. It's funny with the Steelers. But uh, we can get into the mockers. Like who who we're looking for? Yeah, I, I think, and I think I wanted I want to pose this as a question to you. Like, if you are listening to this podcast, um, you know, on your commute and you have a busy life, you got a couple of kids, a golden retriever, a wife who's, uh, hopefully she's nice. I mean, your significant other, hopefully you're living your best life. And But it's busy. You have a job. You have shit to do. You got to go to the basketball game tomorrow. All kinds of things. And you don't have the time that this psychopath here, Luke, does to sit and read every mock on the internet for the next three months give me three names and i know some of these names are guys who haven't put mocks out yet give me three names right now i want your top three power rankings for the mocks that you should be paying attention to over the next three months so that's tough i didn't even i didn't tell you i was gonna ask this either you didn't uh i would i would say charlie campbell would be number one which walter campbell website would probably be the number one which they put out the most. Which, I mean, they already have a 2024 mock out for the context. So I, I always uh, laugh at that because I mean, last year <laughs> when I was out there, I was looking at the, the, the one for this year. I should have done some screenshots because it had been, you can't even give them shit. It's like, you, you know, you're, you're putting something out so far ahead of time. I can't ride you about it. And then there's going to be Jeremiah, of course, Daniel Jeremiah. And then third, maybe Brugler, Brugler. He got a lot of traction with me last year um, where it, it really is those top two. And then there's also team specific where this is like very valuable. going to go here, but you should. <laughs> there are certain guys that are connected to certain teams where Jeremiah has a connection to the Jets and normally specifically his final mock, whoever he takes with the Jets is as close to a lock in a mock that exists. Yeah. Uh, where he was in the Eagles front office in the past, who is Douglas is from the Eagles and Douglas is at the Jets now. I believe they're in each other's weddings or something. Where, like, when you looking at who Jeremiah has the Jets taking his mocks is just like what I, I just scrolled through that pick before reading the rest. Uh, and then guys like Schrager, Peter Schrager were very connected to the Cardinals in the past, which. Unfortunately, that one's going to be gone, I believe, this year because the Cardinals GM isn't there anymore. Yeah. But Schrager was another one in his final mock who he had the Cardinals taking was an automatic. Um, I actually made a ton of money off of that last year. Um, But there are team-specific mockers that we'll talk at more length to. um, Yeah, some of these guys just don't have mocks out yet. Right. Um, I I don't like to take it to negative town or shit on anybody, but I'm going to anyway. Is there like a big name out there? Um, who maybe a name people would recognize where it's like, I can ignore most of this mock draft that this guy's putting out. Like he's mailing it in. I, I'm not going to, I feel like you're baiting me in a second. I'm baiting Kuiper. you shit talking. I, I mean, Kuiper, Kuiper is the godfather of it all. And I refuse to shit on him because like, the draft has become this spectacle. Um, yeah. And honestly, he is. I'm just like, going to edit this. So you just say Kuiper. He is the foundation. You said after it, and he is a a big reason as to why it has made the progress that it has. Um, and 
Plus, he doesn't piss the whole time. <laughs> like he 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 doesn't go to the bathroom for like the three days of the draft. I heard. That's actually <laughs> a true story. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, I honestly, I I do think like Kuiper's mock is less informed he's a really smart guy but over the years like a lot of people have lapped him and i don't want to i don't want to dog on him though because he's there's so many he's like you said he's done his career has done so much to make the draft a a spectacle i feel like a lot of it's his opinion too and how he's ranking where guys like jeremiah you know i've info and that's the difference where there are so many mocks and it is so easy to click on them all and it is the biggest clickbait and it is a very copycat product where there are certain picks that you're going to see 99 out of 100 have the same guy going to them where sometimes it is true and chalk where two years ago certain i think to the cowboys was the mock that every single person had and he actually ended up going before the cowboys but that didn't come to fruition and worked out for them because they ended up getting mike parsons but um, it is a very copycat product some of them it's just their personal opinions, but at the same time, going through the mocks, knowing who knows things, who has connections and sources are the ones you really want to pay attention to. And those don't come out as much and those don't like have as many versions to it, uh, where as the years progressed, the guys that we want to key on are actually putting out less mocks, um, which is fine. Uh, but yeah, that's and that's that is my pro- my process is mock drafts. And consensus rankings where it is i create a power rating based off of the mock drafts that i trust and you get a number and based off of everything else you know and you still have to have like an angle on it you can't just blindly bet like this power rating based off of the mocks has him going at 11 and his over under is seven and a half like that's just not an automatic over uh, but like that is very much like the foundation of the process for me yeah, and, and I think, too, like you said, putting context to everything, if a bunch of mocks, and and let's use, I keep going back to this one because it was the, you know, there's such a good wide receiver crop, but there was uh, Jefferson and Rager that went, like, what, 17, 18, somewhere in there, and uh, I'm trying to think where, was that the same year with Lamb? And mm-hmm. Ruggs, was it all, or, uh, I'm mix, I think I'm mixing up classes. No, I think it was. But there, there was like five wide receivers, and a bunch of people would have like, "Hey, I have him going to the Eagles or Vikings," and then a bunch of people would have him going to the Cowboys or Raiders earlier. Well, if you yeah. average that out, like it would come out to a twelve, and right. the, you know, exactly. you said just if the over under set at fourteen and a half, you just can't blindly bet the twelve. Like there right. are spots where it's like there's still a really decent chance the Raiders do something stupid and Ruggs is taken early and that's going to push Rager back. That's going to push Jefferson back. Like, you know, you can't just take your, I, I understand your process and I, that's why I kind of want to clarify, but you're, you're not just yeah. taking the mocks, making a, a, a number and saying, well, right. on average he goes 14th. So I'm betting the piss out of under 16 and a half. Yeah. No way. Like, yeah, for sure. It, it's you, just a, like, the context just, needs to be there. It is a, it is one of the things that has the most weight in ter- and it creates a foundation to like the perspective, but at the same time you have rankings that you have to value. Well, like Jeremiah just came out with this top 50 um, and the rankings are much more like specific on in terms of who I value and you make a consensus, but he has like Brian Breesey. I think it's Brian. I don't like Clemson. Who's the D a D tackle that all the mocks. And again, it's February 2nd, have him going in the top 10 right now. Jeremiah has him as the 43rd ranked player uh, where 
if Jeremiah had him in like the 15, 20, uh, that's fair because there's going to be positional value that has guys that go earlier, uh, et cetera. But at 43, a 43rd ranked player from a guy that I value his opinion to me isn't going top 10. And again, it's February 2nd, but as we get closer, the rankings are going to start getting, the rankings are going to get sharper, quote unquote. And those are things that you have to implement into the mock draft rating, the ranking ratings, combine the two or evaluate the two, and then everything you know, go off of that. Uh, Because these books don't know anything in terms of, books know just as much as we know. I mean, they're making numbers and they can be leveraged like a lot. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this over the next three months. Like I said, we're going to do 12 of these. And, you know, there's a lot of setup today, a lot of process talk, a lot of storytelling, and just kind of going over what we what we think we're going to do. Uh, obviously, as we get through this, it's going to be a lot more of going through what we learned that week, what information we're acting on, any bets that you've made during the week, you know, we'll kind of go over you know, th- this is what happened and this is why, or stuff I've added to my card. Maybe I'll make a, maybe I'll make a share doc that just, God, I'd be embarrassed for last year. If people could see how many bets I made, <laughs> like just the volume of, <laughs> of the bets I made. Like, I don't need to see people. You, you made 112 bets in the draft. No, not, not really. But uh, yeah, I did. So I don't, that, you... didn't even, that didn't even count money. I sent to other people. Truthfully, that was just bets. I plays. <laughs> Yeah, and then the NBA rolled around. So, yeah, if you if you have something specific you think we should be talking about from week to week, Andy MSFW Vegas refund Twitter handles. My DMs are open. I don't know about you. You probably have that. That'd be a pain. You can just bug you bug me. I'll uh, I'll bring it up. We are going to skip next week. So yeah, I know it's like, hey, here's an appetizer, and then we're just not going to do anything anymore. This will be back in two weeks, and from there it'll be weekly. Uh, like you said, we'll we'll probably do it earlier in the week, the week of the draft. But I think we're going to just try to record this every Thursday afternoon, release it right away after that. I'm just not going to go up against NFL prop betting, NFL anthem info the waste management <clears throat> and everything else that's happening next week. Dude, so. I'm dialed in on Rihanna right now. Like I halftime first song is what it, it, it's kind of similar to like the draft grind. Like you're trying to f- figure it out. Like amount of Rihanna concerts I've watched. Like I know who her choreographer is now director. I'm even looking at their concerts and I didn't realize how much of an absolute monster she is. She has too many hits. It's she her catalog is amazing, and it's insane. I don't have a bet on it yet. I want it to be diamonds because I think that's a banger it's, opener. No. If it's, what if it's dark and they're doing like glitter shit? I don't know. Yeah. There's a Everyone lot of ways wants to it go. To be diamonds. I know. I, I don't, some it. people blew that market up too, which is not that fun this early out. So, yeah, enjoy enjoy the Super Bowl, guys. Um, I don't know any any final thoughts here that you want to spit out before we call it a day. No, this will be a lot of fun. I don't think a draft betting podcast exists, so there will be a lot of valuable information. Um, give our it, It's going to be a great ride, and then we'll roll right into the NBA draft after it, which is a whole different monster, um, but yeah. very close to, not, if not exactly the same type of leverage if you do it right. And like We didn't go over a ton of news today just because a ton of news doesn't exist yet. But as we get, you know, two weeks from now and we enter free agency, we'll have free agents 
signing. We'll talk about free agent signings, what they mean for a multitude of teams. We'll have a lot of info about, you know, pro days. We'll have information about, you know, players that are or aren't combined or uh, competing in the combine or aren't maybe doing certain things at the combine. So I think we'll have a lot to talk about there. And yeah, we'll, uh, like I said, hit me up with any questions you have, anything you guys want to hear on this. We'll catch you again in two weeks. So for me and Luke, this is 50 or option.